0: Okay, we're about ready. Uh, Somebody asked about what the name of the poem was. It's uh, A Loss of Something, and it'll be online. The name of the poem is A Loss of Something by Emily Dickinson. And it's in the book. I mean, it's in the book on relationships, I guess. How to Be Adult in Relationships. Um, Also during the break someone asked about, (coughs) well is this um, source like God or providence or universe? (coughs) When we say that things happen that are designed to help us evolve, It's not as if it's designed in a providential way. It's designed because it offers the opportunity for spiritual practice. And uh, one way of talking about this is to say, oh, it's there's a God or a higher power. Another way would be universe or our true nature. You could also put it this way, uh, which you'll see in the book. Something. So not being able to name it. And I don't mean a thing when I say something. Just a way of talking about Uh. a reality that we can't quite put a name to, something we know not what, is always lovingly at work, we know not how, to make us more than we are now and to make the world more than it is yet. I have put it that way, and that has helped me. So I'll repeat it. <clears throat> Something we know not what. So I'm keeping it in the realm of mystery, rather than saying it has a very specific name. Something we know not what is always lovingly at work. So that's the friendly universe idea. To make us more than we are now. We don't know how this is being done. We know not how. But somehow, it's, uh, there's something happening. There's some force that is helping me be more than just my ego. And it's even helping the world be more than it is so far. To Trust that, is what I meant by trust what happens. What are you actually trusting? You're trusting that it all has an evolutionary direction, meaning it's all moving us along to the full expression of who we really are, helping us fulfill ourselves helping the world fulfill itself. Make sense? And when I um, talked about the this opportunity, um, you have my quotation. If you take a look at the card I passed out at the beginning, um... It's a quote from my book called How to Be an Adult in Love. This is what I meant by the kind of opportunity that it gives. Does everybody have one of these? Um, Okay. If you don't have one, see me during the break. I say yes to everything that happens to me today as an opportunity to give and receive love without reserve. I'm thankful for the enduring capacity to love that has come to me from the Sacred Heart of the Universe. May everything that happens to me today open my heart more and more. May all that I think, say, feel, and do express loving-kindness toward myself, those close to me, and all beings. May love always be my life purpose, my bliss, my destiny, the richest grace I can receive or give. And may I always be especially compassionate toward those who are lost or least alone, or last. This is what I meant by the opportunity. And then you turn it into an affirmation or prayer that you would keep noticing these opportunities and, and since it's an opportunity to love more, even to affirm that everything you think, say, feel, or do is invested in that project, what project? To express loving-kindness toward myself and others. And this serves as a life purpose. So that saying, yes, will be an important feature of true synchronicity. I will say yes to everything that happens because I trust that everything that happens is giving me an opportunity to give and receive love. Okay, there were some leftover questions from before. Where's the uh, microphone? Right here. And then you, Mag. Thank you.
1: Um, uh, Could we go back to the page that uh, had um, childhood Unconscious. Okay. This, or I think we're almost there. Okay, well, close enough. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay, well, I can do this without that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, so, so as you as you went through, so you've got the the unconscious, the childhood, and then then you said, so then uh, I I somehow get resolution. Yeah. Right. And and then we make a, a there we go resolution closure, and a decision comes from that. Yes. And and. It seems to me that that's sort of like the million-dollar question right there. Because um, two other things that I thought of. One, one is the idea of let the chips fall where they may, and, and trust, trust in the process, trust in the outcome being good for all if the intention is good for all. Okay. So when we look at the bodhisattva ideal, of being, um, uh, of wanting the best for everyone around us, um, how how do how do we resolve our individual um, our individual life and its impact on those around us? You know, this this decision that we make here it could um, so um, so say say an ex wife says. I, I I want you to come back, it's what's best for the family. Okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we could look and say, well that that may be best for the kids in some in some ways, but I'm not sure it's best for me to be back with this person. Right? And and maybe even what what we have an opportunity to teach the kids is that um, you know, life moves on, and and we restructure lives. You mm-hmm. know? So, where do you place yourself when you make that decision that honors you as well as um, is in good caretaking of um, those around you?
0: Mm-hmm. Let's see what you mean. Um, before I answer, could you check with Kevin to see if he's here on the... Oh, you're you're all set? Okay. Um, he's bringing up a good point, and I'm glad you put it that way because it leads me to respond to um, this whole idea of when we find ourselves in a kind of dualism. Do I stay for the sake of the kids or do I go for the sake of myself? And um, good decisions Rarely are ones that choose one of the two of a dualism. Good decisions are ones that hold the two options. And... By holding I mean you uh, feel what goes with each of them and you let yourself stay with it and, and you let something emerge from the holding which is... Sometimes described as the healing third. First kid, second self, healing third. And this healing third will find a way to take care of myself and strengthen the connection with the kids, even though I am no longer at that address. What this will look like, obviously, is going to be different for each person. But uh, there's something about um, holding both. So you have your two hands extended, palms upward. And here's my wanting to do the best for the kids. And here's my wanting to be on my own and not with my partner. And when I hold these without... hold them mindfully, without blaming, judging, controlling, fearing, I let go of... shave off all that, the, 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 the occupations of the ego. When I put the ego out of work and just hold these as one who is looking for every opportunity to love more, I can trust that something will come through. Jung calls this the transcendent function of the psyche. That when I hold the apparent opposites, a third reality comes up from within that offers me a new possibility that I hadn't thought of before. And, and we're going to just keep holding until that emerges a kind of common ground between them so let's use a simple example and this is one i from my own life when i was working with a therapist i was i was maybe about 40 or so and uh, she said She somehow got to the place in the therapy where she said, oh, I I understand. You believe that you either stay in control or, so it's an either or, or everything will fall apart. That is your belief. Am I right? I said yes. You're either going to stay in control or everything will fall apart. And she did this little technique. She said, I just want you to Hold both of those right now, close your eyes, and just tell me what arises. It it just worked like magic. I remember exactly what I said. I surprised myself. I said, I can let the chips fall where they may and make the best of them. Isn't that beautiful? course I just went back to being controlling Uh, until I got a number of comeuppances that showed me I'm not in control those were all synchronicities but the psyche my psyche came up with this beautiful statement which I put in all my books I let the chips fall where they may and make the best of the way they fall there's something about that that just felt, like, I felt physically right. I just felt it in my body, I thought, when I said it, which, it just came out spontaneously. And I said, oh, that just fits so right. These don't fit right. Either I'm in control or everything falls apart. Neither one of those fits physically, even. But there's something about this one. That's how you will know that you found your third It'll feel just right, sort of like Goldilocks. Too hard. This porridge is too hot. This one's too cold. But this one's just right. Mm-hmm. That's the archetype. So that is the way I am responding. Does that help at all? Or yes, it does. Uh, it's not. I know it's not a knock 'em dead <laughs> answer, but. <laughs> I mean, it would take a lot of trust. Well, I
1: I, I think it's an answer that lets go of control. Yeah, uh, you know, because because otherwise the rings of the mind just go out. It's it's kind of like well, you know, there's whatever. Um, there's unresolved stuff with uh, with the axe. Maybe there's some healing that could be done there. Maybe you know, mm-hmm. but. Um, that that just starts to get into into thinking and not really uh, move, moving forward. Yeah.
0: So you don't have so to I, live with good. people to have a good relationship with them. Right. That would be part of the third. <laughs> that would sound like, Yeah. I mean, that would fit with the third. I don't have to really, I don't have to be under the same roof with people to have, a, yeah. to maintain, to put energy into a good relationship with them. You could right. you could say something like that. Am I right? Yeah, you could. Good. Well, let's go Thank on you. to Maggie.
2: Thank you. Um, I'd just like to say I'm uh, pleased that your parents have... F- 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 that the synchronicity brought your parents together with gratitude. Um, <laughs> well, how nice. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and, and my question, as I get older, I have wisdom that has... Come to me from my life experiences. Yeah. What I have not experienced, and what I, the reason why I chose the Buddhist path, is this idea of divine presence, of mystery. Somehow, it's, it brings a level of comfort, that idea, mm. but I haven't seen it played out either in my own life or in the lives of the many people that I've engaged in or been. With. What I have seen is the practice that loving kindness and mindfulness has brought to me to change how I respond to grief when life falls apart, suffering. So, this is the thing I rebel in, against, I guess, or I, I, I'm challenged by in your teachings, because I've been to many of your teachings. Mm-hmm is I feel somehow that I'm lacking, that I don't have that mystery working within my life that I don't really believe in that. What I believe in is personal choice and the actions that I take every day to make this a better world. That is my path, that is my purpose, but I, I, don't, I, I don't have, and, and somehow or other, I'm, I grieve that because I see the power of that belief in others but it, it is, I, I, I don't understand why it's not in my life, why it isn't... Not that I don't understand, but I see choice, I see divine presence, and then somehow this concept of synchronicity. Maybe that is where my confusion lies.
0: Well, that's a beautiful question and so honest, and I'm sure many people here feel the same way. I included, because... I feel like the man in the gospel, when Christ said, do you believe? He said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. So yeah, there's something about me that believes, but there's another big part that doesn't really believe. I feel that that's who I am too. And yes, I do. And that he... And that, I mean, the important thing about the gospel statement is that when he says, help my unbelief, he's saying you could ask for the sense of mystery from the universe. You could say, I I open myself to appreciate the mystery of things. I open myself to appreciate a larger sense of support that's beyond my own choices. So that is how I recommend, uh, that's what I recommend as a a step in this direction. Just to uh, say something like, uh, may I appreciate the mystery of life more and more. Some people say, ah, sweet mystery of life, at last I found thee. But another person could say, I open myself to finding the mystery.
2: Isn't the mystery
0: love? I'm so sorry. uh,
2: Isn't the mystery love? Isn't that what we're talking about?
0: Yes. And I guess the mystery of it is... Uh, First of all, it's interesting about the word mystery because we use it as, uh, we use the same word for the mystery in a whodunit. Mystery is, well, who who committed the crime? But of course, that's a very superficial way of looking at it. So mystery comes from the Greek word mysterion, which means... Now, it's important to get this. So luminously secret that it can only be known by initiation, not by information. So when you wanted to enter the mystery of the afterlife for instance, they had a very specific uh, ritual, you might call it a sacrament, of initiation. And you uh, participated in this only once during your lifetime took place in uh, in ancient Greece um, and uh, it had to do with the uh, with the mother goddess Demeter and her daughter Persephone and how Persephone went f- from the underworld to the to this world and how she spent six months in the underworld which was... Which is fall and winter, and six months up here, and that's spring and summer when everything grows. And you you got the re, you came into the realization that it's not dualistic; it's not life or death. That there's a third, which is renewal. And um, this, uh, and you only got this when you participated in this ritual. Um, So mysterion, so mystery, is the luminous secret of life and death, which one can only know by a series of initiations, in our case. And these initiations are, have some pain in them, the kind of pain that opens us to a new option. And the the mystery, the the place where this happened is Eleusis, E-L-E-U-S-I-S, it's 16 miles from Athens. You walked from Athens, painful. You walked from Athens, the 16 miles, to get there to the goddess's shrine. And the mysteries were called the Eleusinian mysteries. And you went through a series of ritual events. And when you came out of it, it, it included uh, the, the taking of... Um, of hallucinogens. And when you came out of the experience, you got it. Death is not the end. It's part of a cycle. But you couldn't just be told. You had to get it in this initiatory way. So mystery is uh, something that we come to through... The painful openings that occur in the course of life. And so when you open yourself to this option, and the fact that it's the fact that it, it has to do with a goddess is important because it's, this is a feminine energy. Christianity, it becomes masculine because Christ has risen from the dead, showing that. It's a cycle. There's renewal, resurrection, but it's a male experience. But this, this is more ancient, and it's related to the feminine. In fact, mystery itself is related to the feminine. Okay, it's interesting. Just as a interesting example, this is an interesting example of synchronicity. The The Swiss chemist who invented LSD, his name is Hoffmann. It just so happened that he was fascinated with the Eleusinian mysteries, even wrote a book about them, and later found out that that is what they were using. And so he just happened to invent the very thing that, uh, that was in the topic that he was studying. It's a wonderful example of synchronicity. Okay, so uh, our opening ourselves to the mystery is um, probably a way of responding to your question. Let's have one more question, and then we'll go on. Was there right here?
2: Thank you so much. I'm just wondering if the ancient, the most ancient definition of mystery, has to deal with the feminine. Yeah. If it's somehow linked to the mystery of childbirth, of like the we miracle know. that women can give birth to a new life. Yeah. I'm just wondering if that's yes, a parallel. Yes,
0: very much so. And another example of renewal. Uh, Just one last thing about Eleusis. It's very interesting because I, of course, went there when I was in Greece and spent a lot of time there. I was so interested in this whole thing. And I'll tell you two interesting little stories about it. One is that uh, while I was there, I saw some little snail shells And I thought, oh, I'm going to bring a couple of these snail shells back. And and that will be like a little uh, souvenir of my having been here. So I put them into a little uh, tin to protect them, because they were very, very delicate. And when I got home, uh, three weeks later, I put them on my windowsill. And the next morning, they were climbing up the window. Oh
2: <laughs>
0: I thought, "Oh, they weren't shells; they were they were actual they are actual uh, snails." And I thought, "What an example of the mystery of life and death! Fascinating." And uh, and the other. The other very interesting thing is while I was at the sh- shrine which which the Christians early Christians just about totally destroyed so there's very little left. Anyway, while I was there, I looked up and there was a hill and on this hill was a little white chapel. Greek Orthodox. And I thought it seemed like it was like within the within the uh, sacred site. So I thought, oh, I'll go up and look at the chapel. I went up there, and it was a little chapel dedicated to the Virgin Mary. And there was a, a booklet, uh, like a brochure, when you came in that you could take. And, and I took the English version, and this is what it said. It said... The Virgin Mary, before she became pregnant, came here and participated in these mysteries. That is how she prepared herself to become the mother of Christ. Of course, it's obviously a legend. I mean, this wouldn't actually happen. A Jewish girl would not go to... but uh, I just thought it was so, such a wonderful... It was just such a wonderful example of how th- this was so powerful that they even connected it to their own religious belief. I just thought it was beautiful. I mean, I was so surprised. and so, I was so awestruck. I thought, wow. Th- this shows they really appreciated what it was about. Because they even brought Mary into it. She's so important in, in Christianity. And they, you know, they brought it in there. And uh, there was a saying in early Christian times when people walked by the devastated shrine. People walked by. They said, Forsaken Eleusis celebrates herself. Forsaken Eleusis. People no longer go there for the rituals. Forsaken Eleusis. She's still celebrating. Now she celebrates herself. People don't come here anymore, but she's still, still alive in some way. I mean, could there be a better example of the power of the feminine? It's really a wonderful... There's so much to this. And I've done a lot of study on it, but uh, I still feel that there's more to it that I still don't get. Okay, so let's go on. So we might meet exactly the person who shows us more about ourselves, because we were looking for the fulfillment of needs that we thought were in the here and now, but actually hook up with leftover issues from childhood. So that's the kind of person that we might meet. So that's our first point. Secondly, the conflicts that come up in the second phase of relationship. So first phase of relationship is romance. then conflict. And then, as conflicts are resolved, we go in one of two directions. We either, As conflicts are resolved, we go in one direction, which is to make a true commitment to one another. <clears throat> what is commitment? A series of conflicts that have been processed and resolved and have led to decisions. Remember, we address the conflict, we explore it, and we resolve it. A series of conflicts have been addressed, explored, and resolved, leading to (coughs) new agreements, and these agreements have been kept. That's the definition of commitment. What is a commitment? It's not a wedding band. Conflicts have been addressed instead of avoided. They have been explored instead of blamed on one person. They have been resolved by leading to new agreements that the people have made to live together more amicably and profitably. And these agreements keep getting kept Now you know you have a commitment. Alternative, not address and process the conflicts. Instead, blame them. And that leads to separation or alienation. So you stay together but alienated, or you separate and move on. Of course, you might just move on to more of the same. If you haven't gotten it, that... Wait a minute, there's, it's not just about blaming the other person. I have work to do also. Everybody follow? So this is where we're going to pick up from um, when we come back after lunch. And the lunch is going to be from about 12.30 until 2 o'clock. So we have time for one more question and then... We will move on uh, right here, and and can you uh, can you let Sean know we're ready?
2: Thank yeah. you. Do you sometimes find that the conflicts are resolved um, by saying it was a stage of growth that one person grows, but the other person? doesn't want to or if a partner's in addiction or you know there's another there's so many reasons to separate can you talk about the reasons that we separate
0: yes i mean she's bringing up a good point which is obviously both people would have to address and so forth address explore and resolve in order for a commitment to happen between them But if only one person wants to do this, then it cancels out the chance for commitment because you are um, alone in the work. And this is a bigger question than I want to go into right now, but I do want to address it. So when we come back, I'll start with this because this is an important point. in in this topic like what do you do when only one of you wants to grow so let's take that as our first question later and I'll be able to think up an answer during lunch
1: thank you for listening